Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health. On this episode of Becoming Well, we are going to tackle all things love and relationships, but maybe not in the traditional way that you might be thinking about it right now. We're going to talk about all the ways in which we can be in relationship and love one another without necessarily focusing on marriage and romantic relationships. So um, I'm excited to dive into this topic. How about you, Mary? I am. I am. So I'm one of the people, those people that (sighs) I'm not hyped about Valentine's Day, but I am because I'm spoiled. Yeah. So it's not really the day. It's just another day that I'm, I try to have Craig buy me something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that must be nice. It's not, I'm spoiled every day, but Valentine's Day. (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, and I'm also really excited because we have one of our really good friends with us today, Dr. Valencia Wiggins, who is uh, an associate professor here. Mm -hmm. Are you an associate professor? I don't know yet. Oh, well, that was claiming it. That was prophetic. You you might not know this, but but we have the gift of prophecy. So um, (laughs) (laughs) she's a professor in the clinical mental health counseling program at Moody Theological Seminary. She is our fearless leader as the field chair of the counseling um, field. That's a little bit redundant, Um, but she's just a fun person. And um, I'm going to start us off with like maybe a slightly funny, not embarrassing story, but it applies to both of us, Dr. Wiggins. Okay, that sounds great. um, She and I teach together in the same program and we love everyone we work with. Um, But when we first started, because it's been uh, Valencia and I since the get-go, and um, we're two single ladies and we love that. Uh Um, And we work with a lot of wonderful guys who are all married. And so when we have these meetings, these guys who are so sweet and they love to just like love on their wives and talk about their wives, but they'll, you know, they'll be sharing stories about just the busyness or the craziness in their life. And they'll be talking about how, you know, oh, my wife um, made, made this amazing dinner last night or took care of something around the house or, you know, more, more kind of traditional um, relationships. And so Valencia and I will pipe up from the back of the room. Um, Is your, is your husband uh, still in town or is he on international business again. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I think in, in, uh, in Greece. You guys have these billionaires that they just don't have time for that, the cooking stuff. Oh my gosh. We have to hide them. Yes. We do. We do. They're just, they're too attractive. They're too wealthy. It's embarrassing. You got to protect them. That's right. Yeah. It's always interesting as a single woman navigating Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. I love any holiday because honestly, I just love decorations and celebration and I love how the city looks. But um, I don't know if you all are on social media, but there's this interesting thing I've noticed on um, Instagram where it's like a, a post a picture in honor of Valentine's Day of you on your wedding and the song that you dance to or something. And all my friends are posting their pictures and I just want to like do something snarky. Because I just, I feel like, okay, why can, why does Valentine's Day or why does love in general, especially I feel like in Christian settings have to be so focused on marriage or romantic love? Absolutely. What do you think, Valencia? You know, it's, it's interesting because when you think about even today, realistically in the U.S., there's 50% of people are single. Yeah. So there's 126.9 million singles. 
Where where are the men? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm They're kidding. In that point now, but I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, and and I think about actually, it, I think it has to do sometimes with the spaces that you're in. Mm. So us as believers, we're in the church. Um, you know, where we are, where family is, that's what's promoted. Marriage is promoted. So it could seem like. Well, there's not that many singles, you know, but really there is. Yeah. But it depends on the spaces that you're that you're in. So. So when it's in the church space, do you guys do you believe that that kind of keeps it so much in one context that it makes it seem as this illusion in terms of the bigger world where it's, where it's like you know what this is not just the context of love or romance and couples and so forth because we're in it's such a bubble oftentimes in the church right 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 it it is and if i think about it if you think about you know every church has a marriage ministry they have a singles ministry your marriage ministry is only as healthy as your singles ministry. Oh, Ooh, you talk about dropping it. truth bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Expand on that. Talk to us. Well, you know, you think about it. If I think about singles and you think about it, you have the opportunity to have great friendships. Yeah. We, we talk about this a lot. Um, community, your family, you have, you have time to connect, learn how to build healthy relationships. Um, if you're dating, that can that can help in as, as well. But all those things can prepare you for if if you are to be married, coming into your marriage, your best self. Mm-hmm. You know, you always. Are, um, first of all, I'm a fan of your podcast. Oh, thank but, you. But talking about becoming well, that 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 includes that. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have. I mean, it's interesting when I think about church. I do think, I, I mean, it's, I, I feel like a lot of the singles ministries I'm aware of um, report up to a pastor that's married. And that's interesting to me. And I, I think maybe it's the context of the churches I've grown up in, but um, I, I think it's rare and maybe even sometimes seen as negative or unhealthy. And that could be unconscious, Um when uh, a pastoral candidate is single. That's interesting. That's true. Yeah. But, so Craig was, this, I met Craig as a singles pastor. Really? Okay, yes. He was a singles and pastor then pastor. obviously he wasn't a singles pastor when we got married, but he was the <laughs> singles pastor at our church. And he, you know, obviously he was single. And I thought that had to be the most healthy situation because he was single, right? He yeah. can identify with them. He understood what it meant and he understood and he was going through that journey as well and he wasn't using the singles ministry as maybe a a hookup spot Mm -hmm. right it really was focused on how to be healthy as a single person yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i um you know i've I've gone to lots of singles conferences (laughs) and uh, done those things but i'd say a couple years ago i saw it done well it was a married couple that was over the singles ministry but what i saw is their care for the singles um emotionally spiritually building them up even in the the conferences and how they would plan them it was like a spiritual retreat and i had never um experienced that but so i've seen it done well from from married couples. From yeah. married couples. They were really intentional in caring they for the whole person. They were so intentional. They had this whole thing about no one walks alone. Yeah. You know, but but they they love their singles. And I hadn't seen that. Yeah. You know, uh, especially with a married couple over a singles ministry. Yeah. 
Oh, that's really good because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, my own life, and certainly in my 20s and 30s, it was like, oh, am I ever going to get married? And it was sort of at times for me, like devastating, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that, that tragic. And now that I'm in my forties, um, er, early forties. Okay. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of love, like, I I'm, I'm really content. I mean, I, I think maybe there will be a time I'm pretty confident that I'll, that I'll get married, that God has someone out there for me. But I saw this meme one time somebody posted that was like, let's normalize, um, Living in a mansion with your best friends and having a bunch of dogs. Did you know I just saw that? And I've been married 21 years and I was like, that is nice. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it speaks to how we allow culture, worldly culture, because there's nothing in scripture. I mean, I'm trying to scan my Bible brain right now that says marriage should be the pedestal and right, the thing that we like ultimately try to uh, obtain. I mean, certainly there, there's talk about how marriage represents Christ and, and the church. Um, but then we've got uh, many examples of amazing single leaders who are um, really tremendously impacting the world for the gospel of Christ. I mean, obviously the two main ones I think of are Paul and Jesus. But, you know, when when did we come to this sort of divide that it's like life is on hold or incomplete until you're in this long-term committed intimate relationship. Yeah, I wonder about that. And, you know, I was thinking about when I was thinking about this this podcast, I was thinking about Adam. I don't know how long he was single before, you know, God created his his mate Eve, but <laughs> um it's interesting to think about him in the garden alone and what he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. he was living his life. He was naming the animals, <laughs> taking care of the plants. You know, his he was doing a good super job. Happy. He was he doing good. Job. But he, he didn't up, even know. He woke up he with Eve know. and he's like, really? Wait, who is this? <laughs> I can't name the <laughs> But, and it's, I thought about that. It's interesting to think about, like, that's the first single. That's, of course, Jesus. But, but, Starting out and what he was doing with his life. So even as you were talking about Deb being content, yeah, you know, and what you're doing, working, career, family, yeah. friends. I'm I'm thankful for my rich uh, friendships, both married and single. I have a group of friends. There's four of us. You met. I love uh, your You met a couple of them, and now two of them are are married. They've gotten married later in life. You know, but. It's it's a joy to do life together. We're we're still gonna do life together, even though two of them are married now. Yeah, but we're still sisters. Sure. You know? So I, I want to kind of go back to um, what happened, right? Why is it that now everyone feels that it feels like you were saying, Deb, that there's this identity attached to being married? Yeah. And that singlehood is this negative thing because I came from a background that being single was pretty fly, you know, and yes, there were individuals that wanted to get married. I'm not going to make it seem as if people weren't over there saying, you got to tell me you were my wife because that happened. But I remember my pastor's wife saying that the man that you're supposed to be with should be trying to catch you while you catch Jesus. Ooh. Right. It's mm. it's this idea of he should be watching you be in love with your first and foremost, your first love, which is Jesus. Yeah. Right? Mm. As yeah. opposed to you constantly trying to force this relationship with someone 
um, because you feel as if that's going to uh, give you some sort of identity or status. Yeah. So when I was dating, I ran from Craig <laughs> because I was so content. Told you to. <laughs> I said, you know, Sister Witherspoon said, you need these to be catching These are the me. guidelines. Right. These are the you guidelines. Will chase me. So you're going to get a lot of, you know, you're going to build your stamina, buddy. You know. I think he was a football player. <laughs> <laughs> Run all day. <laughs> but I remember I was in college. I remember being very content like you guys and really had a lot of goals. And that wasn't one of my goals to... It wasn't something that I wanted to run from necessarily, but it wasn't something that I thought had to do any parts with my identity. So my question is, why do you guys or where do you guys think it comes from that there's this status that comes with, especially for women, that comes with being married? You know what? I think about something. I think about uh, just growing up in my home. Okay, I was blessed to grow up with uh, parents that are Christians and we would talk a lot about dating, about marriage. My father would, you know, tell me different things. And um, and so that, when I think about it, that was a pattern that was set. So my parents didn't prepare me to be single. Yeah. They didn't They didn't know. This was all that they knew. And that's, that's not wrong, but that wasn't the conversation, you know, that, okay, you're going to get married when you're 25. That was my plan. I'll be married by 25. If not, I'll go and get my grad school degree. Um, so that's continued because I'm single now, but, uh, but that, that wasn't the conversation. So that would be the standard. Yeah. You know? That was, that was the same for me actually. Cause I grew up in youth group and in youth group, we had, uh, youth leaders and they were usually, you know, college, young adult age. And we would get all enraptured with who was dating who as the youth leaders. Like it was like the thing, like, oh my gosh, they're, they're, you know, they're dating, they're going to get married. But then they started doing that to us when we got into like junior, senior year of high school and people kind of coupled off. And it was just this thing that was really focused on and praised. And if you were single, it was kind of like, oh, well, you'll find somebody. It'll just, you just got to wait till it's your turn. And yeah, there was no talk of what it meant to, to live a life it was glorifying to God as a single person. And it's interesting because you were talking about um, loving God. And what came to mind, Mary, when you were saying that is love, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, I work with a lot of couples in my practice. And I love it because some of them will ask me, you know, are you married? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's interesting that you do a lot of couples counseling and you're single. And and it, it, there was a time when I was younger when, you know, I think some of my couples probably gave off a vibe of, I'm not really sure if you can be a good counselor if you're not married because you're working with us. But now, you know, I, they, I don't know, maybe I project confidence or they just trust me, but now it's kind of like, oh, cool. Okay. All right. And I'm like, yeah. Cause like you said, like we have relationships that help us understand and, and, and experience things like conflict and communication breakdown. And, you know, so it's not just that that exists in the vacuum of marriage, but it's interesting to kind of bring it back to my point. A lot of my couples, I just, I see having, um, placing their worth and identity. And I think it's unconscious, but in how their spouse treats them. And so it's, you know, they don't have that healthy sense of self-confidence 
that allows them to then kind of come to conflict or break down in the relationships with humility because they're they're looking for validation from the other person to feel confident, right? And and so it's just like, as I'm kind of talking this out right now, which um, Valencia, this is something we do in our podcast. We kind of just break it down <laughs> as we go. Um, but I'm just thinking about, wow, I am so blessed as a single person because over the years, I have done a lot of work, whether it's through my own counseling, whether it's through just time in the word and fellowship with God, whether it's through church, whether it's through my own relationships and learning how to love myself, yes. which God commands us to do. It's not love the Lord your God with all your heart, then love your spouse, then love your neighbor, then love yourself. No, it's literally nothing about spouse. Greatest commandment, <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself, or second greatest commandment. And so it's like, why don't we, why don't we prioritize that in the church? You know, and I think, unfortunately, the tendency is to is to suggest that self-love is selfish. And I think that is the breakdown. I, the, I, I had to pull this up because in my class I teach, you know, Eric Erickson, right? But there's this idea there. He has this uh, idea of intimacy versus isolation. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. always ask my students about this specific quote. Intimacy is really the ability to fuse your identity with someone else without fear that you're going to lose something yourself. Yeah. And whenever I ask them about that quote, it goes back to what you're saying. You have to start off with a sense of self because that then is going to permeate to in your relationships. And if you start off where you don't have a strong sense of self, then we are then going to look for that in someone else. And then if that breaks down, the, the, that's when we often will have uh, issues beyond, you know, the, the, sometimes that's beyond repair. It is this idea of understanding who we are, who we are in our identity in Christ. I always talk about how we, as the church, is you know, we talk about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how they're all unique in their particularities, but we all need, they all need each other and they rely on one another. But they're all still unique in their particularities in their role, but they all rely on one another, right? And I always say that for regarding our relationship with ourselves and the church. We need to be unique and love ourselves and our unique, unique and particularities within the community. But it starts with loving ourselves. Yes. You know, if I think back to um, both of you, as when I was 25, like I wanted to get married, I was 25. Yeah. And I think about myself now, my age, I'll say it, I don't care, I'm 58. Yeah. But um, Yo, she looks yeah. nowhere near that. <laughs> no. When we first met, I was like, we're the same age. I know. <laughs> I That's never why said she's anything. So confident. She I didn't say anything that. for two years. I let <laughs> her think that. Yeah. But I, who I am now, I wouldn't want to be married at 25 because I would not be who I am right now. I'd rather be married now. Absolutely. More confidence, knowing who I am and not just myself, but who I am in Christ. Yeah. Um, having the re- rich relationships that I have and friendships, which, you know, if I'm to be married, I'll carry that with me. I wouldn't want to be married at 25. Valencia, I got married at 26. And okay. what I tell my students, which I thought was really early, yeah, to be honest with yeah. you, what yeah. I tell my students, and that's fine. If they, you know, whoever wants to get married early, it's fine. But what I tell them, the younger you get married, you're very different from 21 or 22 to even 25, 26. You, you will wake up as a different person, as will your, your spouse, mm-hmm. and they will look like an alien to you. Mm-hmm. 
So when you get married early, and this is not, like I said, a plug, whether you can marry or late or early, but it's this idea of it's not we have to consider the fact that we are growing in so many different developmental stages. And if we start the earlier we start getting married, the more we are dealing with these 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 different <laughs> these different people every year. Like, no, I didn't marry this person. I'm like, well, that person was 20. Right. You married- <laughs> oh. I mean, I am completely different than I was when I was 26. And Craig is very different. I didn't think he was 32 at the time. And there's a huge adjustment as we are growing when we choose to get married, um, especially if it's forced by society or the church, which I think there's there's really not that big of a separation. I think it's the same ideology. But you make a good point, Valencia, mm-hmm. that it sounds like there's a lot of season and there's a lot of um, appreciation. There's maturity. There's evolving that has happened within yourself that would probably be a, a, a really good gift now for someone, that, <laughs> the person that God has for you. Right. Are they listening? <laughs> the billionaire in Greece, if you're listening, Valencia is available. Well, you know what? And I think about my parents. My, my mom was 18. My dad was 20 when they got married. Okay. And sometimes I look at an 18 year old, I think, man. That is so young, but they grew up together. But, you know, I also think about just if you are to be single longer, you know, like like we are, I think there's different seasons in how singleness looks. Like in your 20s, we're talking about your 20s, you know, you're trying to find yourself. Then there's your 30s, you're into your career, again, finding yourself. And then into your 40s or 50s or 60s, life, different parts of life are happening. So I think about maybe in this season, um, my my mom is older. My dad has passed. So my role kind of changed. You know, I, I, be, I become more of a caretaker. Yeah. That's if you're the single person, what you're doing. Um, I think about in my family, I was the single person. So my brother was married. Of course, my, my parents then um, my, my dad passed, and then my brother got married. And so now all of us are single. I never thought I'd be in this part. So I have a widow. My mom's a widow. My brother's divorced. I'm single, never married. Yeah. You know, we're all the checks on the box. But again, those seasons of life, you know, you all teach human development. So you think about that. But. Yeah. I have a question for you guys, though. So since... There, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, so you're going to hear all of the great things about being married, right? Throw out the great things about being single. Oh, that that will take the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, okay, so one thing that Valencia and I love to do is eat food. Really foodies. good food. Foodies. Yeah, so anytime we have a gathering for work or even just a free time, you know, we will go out and we'll eat and we'll just have a great time. And, um, and, you know, I don't want it to be like the cliche. You don't ever have to check in with somebody else, but at the same time, that's true. It's true. Just get up and go. Right. (laughs) We can travel, we can go out, we can, um, make decisions, you know, that, that, uh, that are independent of having to consider somebody else's immediate needs. I mean, I think it's wise to consider how you're stewarding your resources, regardless of your relationship status. Um, 
frankly, I love, we both are, are aunts yes, and love that. And I love being able to be an, an aunt to my two nephews and my niece and not have the responsibility you can give them right back. Yep, I give them right back. I can be like, you have an attitude. Go talk to your mom. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. There's a lot of things. It is true. It is true. I think about uh, being. I'm on TV. What do they call you? Deba. Deba. Oh wait, <laughs> you're on TV. I'm on TV. Deba. Yep. So I have a, a niece and nephew, Marcellus Marquez. Those are my M and M's. But I've. I've loved born into their lives. You know, I get to do that. And also my friend's children. So I've been with them when their children have been married and I'm I'm part of their their lives. And so that's that's a blessing. That's yeah. cool. And like you said, traveling, um, my career. Yeah. You know, um, I think about being able to go to um, you know, get my doctorate. I probably it would have looked different maybe if I was married. I don't know. I don't know if I would have, have, have finished if I did, but that I had that freedom to do that. So um, I will say the pandemic, probably for everyone, but being single, it was a killer. That was really tough, a so- yeah. Socially. Oh, talk about that. Because I, I was thinking of it as, oh my gosh, there's these people, but then as being single. Well, if you're... You know, relational people mm. like to be around people, like to do things. My weekends are busy, like you said, going around. That taken away for about a year and a half. Yeah, has been has been rough. Yeah, wow. especially rough. if you have that freedom. Oh my yeah. gosh, that is. And and I'm fortunate. You know, I you all both know my best friend Patty. I live with my best friend, and um, so we're trying to normalize the mansion and the dogs. But we don't have a mansion, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> figure that one out neither of us do you have the work. dogs uh no actually we don't have the dogs <laughs> That's, i'm failing royally at this goal i think we have to marry billionaires to get the mansion which then defeats the whole anyway so i but we have a good community of single friends too and and um a lot of my single friends and a lot of her single friends live alone and so you know that was a blessing in the midst of it because i just thought yeah it would be very hard if especially during the quarantine phase and, mm-hmm. Man, I was playing, um, do y'all know this, the game Settlers of Catan? Yes. It's so fun. It's a nerdy game. It's so fun. And and uh, we got into the habit of literally every Friday night for probably six months, maybe even longer, with my sister and brother-in-law. We're like a little, like, we just do everything together, even though they live in Colorado. We would literally play Settlers of Catan online every Friday night. And it That's was so nice, fun. Though. That's And so, fun. again, like, I think, you know, we get fixated on... <clears throat> excuse me, what is on the other side, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I want that over there. And we don't pause. And this kind of goes back to the whole self-love thing to to think about, well, how do I cultivate what's right in front of me? And, you know, one thing that came to mind, Valencia, for you and I, is I think— I was raised in a, in a in a pretty traditional church culture, um, and I and I may not actually agree with some of the the, the things that that I was raised to believe about um, the roles the the very strict roles of men and women. I think men and women do have unique and distinct roles, but I wonder if I would have become the leader that I am today if I had gotten married at a young age. Wow! So I think I would have probably taken on very traditional roles because I would have thought that was what was expected of me staying home, raising kids. And I love, I mean, we're both leaders in the work that we do. And I think a lot of my leadership was cultivated as a single person. That's probably wow. true. That's probably true. When, uh, when Mary and I we were walking in, we were talking about, you brought up a good point about, is it difficult? Is marriage 
difficult, singleness difficult. We're talking about both are difficult. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, the, the grass is greener piece. Because I think, uh, Patty, my best friend, she always says, the grass is greener where you water it. And so, you know, we're talking a lot about the joys and the blessings of being single and the joys and the blessings of being married. And I do think it's important that we recognize one isn't the solution, right? Like, I think I have a lot of single friends and I absolutely put myself in this category and probably still do at times when I'm sad and longing to be in relationship that marriage is going to solve these problems. And I know because of what I do for a living, what we do for a living, that married couples long for singleness at times because it would, it would in their minds, it's a solution to the problem, right? And so I'm thinking about what do we, you know, Valencia, you and I've been in, you've been in this place too, Mary. I mean, we've all been single at some point or another. We're still single. What about those singles that are really longing to be in relationship, that, that, that see that as something God has designed them for, and they are really wanting that, that long-term committed partnership and maybe even have, you know, we, we've been there, maybe kind of are there now too, where most of their friends are, are married, perhaps starting to have kids. And, you know, I love my married friends. Sometimes they don't always relate well to me as a single person and vice versa. I hold myself accountable that t- to that too. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious from either one of you, what you might say or what encouragement you might give to somebody who is single right now and doesn't necessarily want to stay in that stage of life, um, but doesn't have the promise or, or the, you know, the person on the horizon that they see right now. You know, one thing I would say is that um, realistically, there are going to be those days that's going to happen. And the thing is what you do, how do you take care of yourself in that, in that moment when you are feeling that way? I, I do think a lot, I work a lot with a lot of single women in my private practice and there's a vulnerability sometimes to depression and anxiety and despair. And so in those moments, how do you find looking at your support system? Who is that? Whether you need professional counseling to, to walk you in that season where you're at. Um, I, I would encourage don't isolate, number one, in that. But that would be one thing I'd be thinking about. Yeah. And, and there's... And, and I think that's a huge thing, especially, you know, we're in a major city. And I think because of the transient nature of city life, the busyness, I know a lot of my single clients, that is something that they are missing, community. And um, I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago, and they were talking about how they'd read an article that non-believers would absolutely walk into a church if they knew with confidence that church would provide them with a sense of community. But there isn't that strong of a belief that church provides that healthy community anymore. And I, and I see that. I mean, I love the church that I attend, and yet that's a conversation that they're having regularly, especially in the midst of a pandemic, is, is how do we build community for our entire community, right? I mean, not just the married people, but the singles and the dating and the, you know, families, Um so I think that's something that's really important. And, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with that because for me, my friendships have birthed out of church and work. And it would be very difficult if you didn't have those dynamics or those people in those places to build relationship with. And then there's creative ways to do it. You know, um, there's clubs and activities and things like meetup and, and, you know, other ways of getting to know people. But I do think that's really important, that building community piece and 
I know for me, just speaking to what you just said, Dr. Wiggins, I went to counseling when I was in my 20s. And it was partly because I was in a graduate program and they encouraged it, but partly because I was really struggling with my singleness. And um, and I will never forget my therapist. This just struck me and it was so simple. But we were talking about my sadness and my loneliness and, and probably my, my low-grade depression and being single. And she just looked at me and she was... Uh, probably in her mid fifties, mid to late fifties. And she looked at me and she goes, Deb, some of my loneliest moments in life have been in my kitchen, having breakfast with my family before the kids go off to school and my husband and I go off to work and the dog's running around barking and everybody's joyful and happy. And I am profoundly alone. And, you know, it just, it's always stuck with me in those moments where I have felt sad and lonely in my singleness to validate and to sit with that pain because it's important to recognize marriage isn't going to solve that. There will be times, and, and Mary, maybe you can speak to this, where in the midst of that committed relationship, you still feel profoundly sad and alone. Absolutely. And I think you said this earlier where it's not either one or the other, that it's one's going to solve the other or one one, we need to long for one side or the other. And I can speak to that. Absolutely. And it wasn't necessarily a thing of, wow, I just wish I was single again. That's why I feel lonely. But we are still individuals and we still, regardless if you're married, you still go through your own stuff. It's just now with someone else. And sometimes it could be, it's a great thing because you have someone alongside with you, but some things that God calls you and him to wrestle with. And it, it it's it's outside of, you know, you know what you what your what your spouse can do. There are times where I felt in pain and lonely because of past trauma or something that's happening at that moment that Craig could not help me with, and so marriage didn't solve that. And so absolutely, it's absolutely true that there is always this. Um, there's we're, we're individuals with our our individual. Uh, stuff and stuff that God is always working in us and through us and with us about that marriage is not going to solve that. Having kids isn't going to solve that. It might not make it worse. It may not make it better, but you absolutely, um, and it goes back to understanding who you are and your sense of self and who you are and your identity in Christ and, and so forth, uh, because that's the pillar you need to stand on. That's the pillar you need to stand on. Absolutely. I do have a question, however, in, and you guys can make, I would like to hear you guys' uh, opinion on this. Is there a belief that you, or a reminder that you have in your singlehood? So in, in those lonely moments, is there a reminder of something uh, that our listeners that really long to be married can be reminded of, uh, by what God said about you being in the, you know, being single as in this position right now? I think for me, I, and this doesn't necessarily, and and you're not saying this, this doesn't necessarily dissipate the pain, right? But I think for me, it's reminding myself that I'm made in the image of God and that my relationship status isn't equal to my identity. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy. I think for any difficult, challenging emotion we face, to not allow that lie to seep in, right? You know me, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm a big fan of changing the language of I am depressed to I feel depressed because the I am piece is an identity piece and we're not depression. Um, So 
you know, my, maybe we need to start championing how we say our relationship status, wow. right? Because we say I'm single, I'm married. Maybe it's that we literally say my relationship status is single. I <laughs> love that. It sounds a little awkward, but it's not our identity. And that's huge for me. It allows me to feel the pain of loneliness because God did create us for relationship. He didn't create us exclusively for a marriage relationship, but he did create us to be in community, whatever that looks like for each and every one of us. And I think like we've talked about today, no matter what type of community we're in, whether it's friendship, family, marriage, whatnot, we're going to experience pain, loss, grief, and loneliness. And so it's allowing myself in the midst of that loneliness of being single to say, okay, this is hard today or tonight or this afternoon, whatever it is. And But it's not a reflection of my my identity. It's It's an emotion because we live in a fallen world and we're going to encounter these emotions in any season or circumstance of life. You know, I was thinking about um, Sunday nights when we're in church regularly, my church has Sunday evening service. There was, there was this period of when I leave my church and I'm driving home, and I have this feeling of loneliness leaving the church, watching people going home with other people. I'm in my car and driving home, and the loneliness hits me. It's, it's dulled, but it's still, you know, it's still there, and... No matter what I do on a, a Sunday night, I would have that 20 minutes, it would hit me. The day is over until I got home, and I would feel better. But there were things that I would start to do, whether it be praying or, you know, call someone, usually call my mother, talking to her on the way home. But in that loneliness, it's also, what do you do? What do you mm, do? And I think in about, those moments? In those moments, mm-hmm. you know. And again, I think about the vulnerability, especially I think about for singles, we're talking about that, where there's paths that you can choose. You know, think about self-medication. You don't want to go that way. But again, can you go toward um, a community? Mm-hmm. Can you go toward support? Mm-hmm. You know, can you pick up the phone and call somebody? I, I would say that that you can. No, you can't. But like like you were saying, Deb, you know what? Um, sometimes I have to sit on this. Mm-hmm. And Mary, like you were saying, you know, there's sometimes where you know what? Maybe Craig can't answer this, but this is is being God. Mm-hmm. You know that the, what you're dealing about. But I also think about the verse too that talks about the angel, of the Lord that encamps around us. Mm. And I think about His presence is always with us. Sometimes we don't always feel, it, but He is. He is with you. You know, and and. I think speaking to that community piece, I have, I have challenged, and and this probably wouldn't have had, this didn't happen until I was in my thirties, I think, as a single woman. But I've challenged myself to take some healthy risks mm-hmm. to have yeah. fun experiences as a single woman. Mm-hmm. And then I'll share this story. I used to live in Virginia, and there was this cute—I don't remember the name of it—but this cute little diner restaurant near the church that I went to, and I actually had similar experiences. I remember walking to the church parking lot after, after church, especially like if I was going to a night church service, and seeing the couples and my friends that were the couples walking to their cars together, and I and I would always tell myself, someday you'll be walking to the car with somebody too. And that was a, that was a hard time, and so. I, I challenged myself, and it took a good couple months to work up the courage to do this. This cute little diner restaurant by my church, and it was really small, and it just kind of had a bar around, you know, the the where the where the cooking was and, and the grill and stuff. And so I was like, I'm going to go eat at that restaurant by myself. I'm going to do it. And every week, no, no, I'm not going to do it. What am I going to do? I'm going to just look like the sad single person sitting there. And finally, I worked up the courage 
And I, I took a book with me. I sat at the counter. Yes. I had breakfast. And it was so fun. Yes. And, yes. you know, to this day, I t- you all know, I talk about my, do- my dad all the time. I love my dad. He's oh, so outgoing. He talks to everybody, right? <laughs> and I wasn't always bent on the side of extroversion. I'm really an introvert at heart. But I have learned that you can have the most fascinating conversations with people if you're just willing to take the first risky step in engaging. And so I've challenged myself to do these kinds of experiences when I'm alone and when I'm in settings where the loneliness is a bit more difficult. So like traveling. I always envisioned being able to have a travel buddy with me when I would go visit family. Like my husband and I would be going to visit family, right? But no, I travel alone a lot. And so when I'm at the airport, I'll go, you know, into a restaurant and, and and maybe just order like you know soda or something, and I'll sit in the bar area and I'll talk to the waiter or I'll talk to the bartender and or I'll talk to the person next to me, and it's really resulted in some fun, interesting experiences. And there's a sense of connection there. So it's not going to be the solution long term, but it gets me that relational piece that I need in moments where it might not be readily available because my friends aren't around or you know I'm just feeling lonely. What's so funny is when you said that you, you know, would take a risk and maybe bring a book and just quiet yourself. And that for you is courage and a risk. That is my goal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you eat for dinner, Greg, Amaya. I don't care. Y'all can eat cupcakes and guacamole. I am going somewhere by myself with a book. Right. (laughs) Water the grass where it is. Water the grass. Another thing, movies. I love going to movies by myself. I do too. I I feel like I'm like sneaking out of school or something. I know. I know. I think about my, um, when I graduated from college, I moved to Portland, Oregon. First time living alone, being single. And so I had relatives in the city, but really, you know, I didn't really know anybody. So I learned my way around is every Saturday I would just drive around Portland and then I would go to the movies. I never have been to the movies by myself, but every Saturday I would go to movies. But then I thought nobody knew me because I didn't know anybody in Portland. (laughs) But that probably was the beginning of learning how to Work through those times. Yes. You know? Even in being married, that's one thing that I want to make it clear that you still need to continue to develop your own self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get married, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you then fuse. It kind of goes with that Erickson quote with someone else. And then you just aren't yourself any longer. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's those old school. Remember those old school necklaces where they were at one person would wear the half and then the boyfriend or the girlfriend would oh, wear the yeah. other half. Yes. That was so bogus because <laughs> it's like, no, that she completes me. No, she does not. Uh-uh. No, she, I hope not. Right? right. So there is this wholeness that you're continuously needing to nurture to even to be able to be um, who you are in that relationship, but even be able to give and receive in that relationship. But it still starts with this wholeness or even, I don't want to say singlehood in a way, but this wholeness of who you are as an individual. Yeah. So it's not even a thing where it's just reserved when you're single that you just work on yourself. You work on yourself <laughs> forever. when you're married forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure... You can look back and think, okay, where I was, maybe in the, even the beginning of your marriage and mm-hmm. where you are now, mm-hmm. 
Yes. It's, it's it's changed dramatically. It's And again, <laughs> we've gone through some rocky things because I was 26 and he was 32. And now we weren't, you know, it, it, it could, it's different when you're 18. But, it, but we've gone through a lot. I'm very different at 26. Again, I'm the, I came from a family where I'm the youngest. Craig is the oldest. I came from a family of all girls. He came from a family with all boys. And that's what, you know, there were a lot of growing pains mm-hmm. <laughs> that, in, in that in terms of okay what does that mean who does you know what does that mean in terms of what we expect what does that mean in terms of who we are in Christ and and what we previously thought about ourselves and our identity yeah. you, did you, mm-hmm. you, yeah. that all matters it does you know um I always think about I went to a wedding once and you know how they have that that tradition of lighting the unity candle mm-hmm. and I remember I I saw at this wedding that the the bride and the groom lit the unity candle, and then instead of blowing out their own candles, they kept those lit, too. Oh, I like that. That, that's that is a Write great visual. Yeah. yeah. We have unity, but we are our own unique yes. individuals. Okay, can I ask you all a question? Yeah. So I'm thinking about something, even as you were talking, Mary, what you're talking about. What do you think it looks like for singles, for someone to have, to be a witness to your life? So if you're married... You know, you have your husband, you can celebrate what's happening. They're seeing the things that are happening daily. What does it look like for singles to have someone to have a witness to what's happening in your life? I think it I think it really does start and maybe even end with a willingness to practice vulnerability. Mm. And, you know, I, I think we do that cautiously. I don't think we just go reaching out to anybody and everybody, but I think it, it nece- necessitates cultivating those relationships and making a commitment to it. Cause I know it's not easy. Um, and, and for some people, they just don't even know where to start, but, but I'm going to make a commitment to identify those people in my close inner circle that I can be vulnerable with about what I'm going through. I mean, I think about, um, I loved this, this message that you gave Mary, Mary spoke at Founders Week here a couple weeks ago. And Mary spoke at Founders Week and she talked about relationship and how to walk alongside somebody when they're unshaken. And she ended her sermon with uh, a testimony to Valencia and how she, when she first started here, she would go into Valencia's office um, and just kind of, you know, decompress with some really stressful things. And after you gave that, that message, I actually turned to Valencia and I said, you know what? That's you. Because I've done that probably 57 times (laughs) in the last month. And so you're one of those people for me. Mm -hmm. I've come in when I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm sad. And I've talked to you about that. And you've encouraged and uplifted me and um, reminded me of God's truth. And so I think if we are intentional in seeking out those relationships and, and making commitment, even if it's scary to be vulnerable, we have that in different ways. I think that's really important, the vulnerability, because I think as singles, we, we cannot be vulnerable because we maybe don't have to practice it all the time because you may be more by yourself and not as interacting as much. But I think that's a really important point. This has been so fun. I think we might have to have you back. Again. I know. Well, hopefully the takeaway for our listeners is I really do think that we need to prioritize in a healthy way what God has called us to do, which is loving ourselves. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Regardless of your season or circumstance, whether you're single and longing to be married, single and quite content, married and quite content, married and longing to be single, 
It is like it, it is that discipline of self-love. So we'd love to hear your feedback. You can find us on all the places you listen to podcasts. Give us a like, five-star review. Reach out to us online, becomingwellpodcast.org or social media, Becoming Well Podcast. We would love to hear from you. And thanks for being with us, Dr. Wiggins. Thank yes. you. Thank you, my dear friends. And as we love to tell our listeners, be well. 